right, there we go. Hello and welcome to the Hyperfixation Variety Hour. I'm your co-host, Sam. I'm Cassie, and also my pronouns are she, her. Oh yeah, pronouns are he, they, for me. I didn't say pronies this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard a comment from Sasha. Apparently you found that part hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like, pronies? <laughs> uh, uh, let's do a little bit of housekeeping so that like they don't have to wait to the very end. I forgot about that with the last one. <laughs> oh, rib. Uh, but uh, a couple things is if you've made it to the fourth episode, then we really appreciate that you've stuck it out. Uh, I don't think we've been putting out bad things. It's just very like niche interests. Um, we have a Twitter setup. It's at Hyper Hour, I believe. Uh, let me open that up real yeah. quick. No, sure. it's our Hyper. Our Hyper. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I put little updates there uh, concerning episode uploads and things like that. Um, oh, hey, it looks like the Taz fan cast got a couple more plays than the episode three. Episode oh, one remains a like fan favorite, quote unquote. Uh, and shout out to our German listeners. I don't know how you found the podcast, but if you are listening to this, I appreciate you. <laughs> I think that is pretty much most of what I had to say. It's pretty much just like, yeah, we have a Twitter. Um, if you're ever curious about like what our schedule is, I try to like update it there. But we also don't exactly know what our schedule. We're trying to keep it roughly Monday, but sometimes. Yeah. It, it's a little bit whack or things come up like uh, I'm going on a little road trip today staying within the state still but I'm pretty yeah, much doing exciting. that yeah I'm going like right after the podcast finishes oh yeah yeah that's exciting hell yeah I'm excited I actually have money and I'm going near a place that actually has stores because the art town's <laughs> kind of dead just a little bit uh, oh, that's sweet, you know. Oh, yeah. Today, we are going to talk about horror. Yeah. Not um, video games like we discussed. <laughs> <laughs> we did? Wait, is that what we said last time? I think last time I was like, maybe we could talk about video games. Oh, yeah. I think I remember that. It's a vague memory. Distant past like one week is the distant past when you're me <laughs> oh pretty much but ever since 2010 it's been today yeah pretty much <laughs> it's just been 11 years of today pretty much like oh yeah that happened last week no that was 2011 <laughs> so yeah we're talking about horror which is definitely more Sam's fixation than mine, but I definitely have a few horror things that I like that I love to talk about. Uh, yeah, like uh, what kind of horror stuff do you like? Um, so I just in general, I really like um, things with like, the word I like to use is frenetic creative energy, where just like um, or the term I like to use, I guess, just, you know, frenetic creative energy, where just like, 
uh, wild shit is always going down and just like um, it's always like surprising and just like usually it takes the form of like uh, just fun brightly colored stuff that I like um, but also just stuff that like um, usually in horror I think frenetic creative energy kind of takes the form of like um, complete unpredictableness and kind of like a detachment from um, anything too close to the reality that we know. Um, all of my favorite horror is kind of like surreal and even like the main characters don't quite feel like audience surrogates so much as they feel like an extension of how weird and like unsettling the entirety of that world is. Hmm. Like they're not taking the place of an audience member. They're like fully within the world and kind of an extension of it. Yeah, kind of like they themselves might even be unsettling in certain cases. Uh, Do you have a specific example of this? I have three examples, which I would say are my three favorite horror things are Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, um, Tentatively Salad Fingers, and then also Little Nightmares. Mm Mm-hmm. Why is uh, Salad Finger sort of tentative? Um, Well, I definitely like it. Um, It's a lot of, it's like interesting, I think. Um, And it definitely fits that bill of like weird new stuff is always happening. And like, I never quite get to feel like I have a proper grasp on what's going on is something I like in horror. Um, uh, But I guess it's just, I don't know. It's a little different for me. It's hard to hard to put to words. So I have heard a lot about Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared. And by heard a lot about, I mean, I existed on Tumblr for a while. Um, oh, so yeah. I've seen some stuff related to it. I Whatever I hear, Don't Hug Me, I scare, I'm Scared, I picture like brightly colored claymation sort of yep. figures. I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah, like puppets, puppets and bright yep. colors and fun songs um, and gore. <laughs> <laughs> so like what is what is the best description you could give for don't hug me i'm scared um it's like it uh it kind of feels like i'm a bright fun um like kind of like sesame street-esque kind of thing um where it's like you know you got puppets lots of like handmade props and like felt um bright colors and like fun times and just like goofy music um and then every episode generally tends to devolve into like surreal horror (laughs) um yeah yeah and it's like boy it is it is like really hard to describe but I think like half of why I like it is because it's bright and fun and I just like that kind of thing. And the other half is because it's like, it's disturbing and it feels unknowable. (laughs) Like there's so many theories out there as to like what people think it means or as to like what people think might be happening on some literal level. Um, But ultimately, like, even though you can try to like come up with a theory to like get a handle on it, Um, I like that ultimately it always slips out of my fingers and remains feeling unknowable. (laughs) Like I can look Mm -hmm. at it through different lenses, but it never feels like any lens is like completely giving me the full picture, you know? Yeah, that reminds me sort of like the vibe I get from BuzzFeed Unsolved, where every time they're going through like possible theories for a supernatural or unsolved 
case and then like one of the hosts ryan is like presenting a bunch of very convincing stuff and the other host who's like a lot more skeptical is like hmm, this is starting to make sense and then ryan will like present like the one thing that like makes everything not line up and yeah. the other host shane is like yo what <laughs> You had me there. You had me. I was so convinced. <laughs> and then there's this thing. That's like absolutely the thing. That's like how it is with Don't Hug Me and Scared. Like people will people will put forth like theories that string together a lot of things that are like, oh yeah, this is starting to make sense. But like there are also plenty of things you could bring up that make it like weird and like make it sound like that's not quite right. So like you can you can build things up and string together explanations but they will always slip through your fingers yeah and it also depends on like how you're looking at it like a good example is that i like a lot of true crime and like specifically more unsolved kind of things and so i like listen to podcasts about it like a good podcast that I like to listen to is Morbid. It's run by a couple of, I believe it's an aunt and a niece over in Massachusetts, uh, which Uh, is actually interesting because I've been to some of the places they discuss when they discuss local cases. But there Uh is a specific case about Lizzie Borden. Uh, Do you know anything about Lizzie Borden? That name rings a bell. Yeah, they had a nursery rhyme. It was like, Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. I don't know why I have that memorized. I'm not going to divulge into that. Probably something weird. But uh, I've listened to two different like takes on it and basically BuzzFeed Unsolved um, definitely presented a lot of the base facts and made it a little bit more like, oh, this is a lot more unsolved. And it definitely kind of is. But when I listened to the morbid case, they discussed a lot of more in-depth facts about it. And it definitely seems a lot more like Lizzie was a bit more involved because there was a lot of like inconsistencies. Like she had a dress that she burned, which was discussed in the like buzzfeed unsolved there like she burned a dress following the murders when she was like not being investigated but like under suspicion um but the morbid actually discussed that the she had described to her friend that it had quote-unquote paint on it uh they didn't describe the color but i'm taking a little bit of liberty here and i'm probably guessing it was red paint um, and her Lizzie's friend actually tried to stop her from burning this and then gave a statement about it to the police, which is definitely a lot more suspicious. Uh-huh. But the whole gist of that is just like some like the different avenues that you take in theories also de- will present evidence differently, which can definitely influence like how you feel about a certain theory. Right. That makes sense. So I just have a lot of weird pent-up knowledge I didn't realize. <laughs> That's okay. I think we both do. Like, uh, I just rewatched um, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared before this, and I've just, like, unlocked this old hyperfixation a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like we're both doing that. Yeah. So do you have any theories that you think are a little bit more convincing? About Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, well, there's this one really <laughs> popular theory that a lot of people called the media theory. And I don't remember. Um, I don't remember who put it forth first, but I know it was a bit, at the very least popularized by game theory, <laughs> which I don't like. Um, and it kind of just like, uh, as I said, it like looks like an educational cartoon that then, or an educational puppet show that then devolves into surreal horror. Um, and there's, there, there, there's, there's this kind of theory about like uh, the idea of um, creating art um, and like how it's consumed by people and how it's like controlled by like executives. Um, and I think it's usually viewed a little bit literally, like I kind of have like rewatching it now, I was definitely viewing it under this lens of like, um, a concept that's really relevant to me is more just broadly like making art under capitalism and kind of like, no matter what you make, it will be either commodified or like, it will at least exist in a landscape where it can be commodified and there will be like, forces pulling it in those in that direction um yeah like the nft stuff where they can just like take a photo or icon and then just like sell it but it's not actually selling it you just you're really purchasing like the metaphor that i've seen that explains it the best is like you purchase the receipt that says you own it but you don't actually you have own the receipt right right i think like in general um you can definitely read it through the lens of like a lot of things about like losing control of your own art um, and like having it controlled by other people and stuff like that. Yeah. Like at what point does your art stop becoming yours and start becoming influenced by like the audience? Like I remember because we're, we've, we've talked a lot about Taz specifically balance i remember in one of the 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 adventure zone zones i think they talked about how they would go on the reddit and one of them stopped doing that because they felt like they were really like doing things that because the audience was saying them and they're like when somebody would say hey that's not what taco would do about something that he had done he was like that's that's strictly not true i i am taco taco would do that I think I think it was Travis saying that about Magnus. I don't I don't quite remember, so maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I I don't remember exactly, but it, I just from like what I remember, I think it was like something Justin might have said. But definitely, I know that Travis kind of commented on. How does the like losing art play into the "Don't hug me, I'm scared"? Um, it's like it's hard. It's hard to like talk about in. It's hard to put to words because it's such a surreal and unknowable thing. Um, but there's like, there's this general theme of like control um, across the series where like um, the, there's like these inanimate objects that will teach them about various subjects, but their teachings are often like weird and kind of like just flat out wrong. Um, and like if the if the main puppets like meaningfully question what they're saying or if they like try to seek information of their own accord, then they kind of get like steamrolled over. 
Um, mm. And over the course of the series, some of them like try to do that too much and like try to take like too much control over this like learning process and creative process. Um, and they kind of get like killed. <laughs> um, oh gee, the main puppets or the things teaching? The, the main puppets, yeah. Um, and they kind of get like killed for trying to like take control of that process. That's what that's what it feels like to me. Like again, it's very like vague and surreal. So like you could say that they got killed for different reasons, but that's what it seems like to me. So like by the last one, um, I don't know if I want to like spoil things. Like I don't know, it's hard to spoil something that's so like weird and like unknowable. <laughs> like I can I can say words at you, and then you could watch, and then you could watch it and be like, oh, well, this is like this feels completely different. Um, but like one of them like wakes up in like a weird version um, of like the real world where like everyone looks like them um, and is also like really boring and like really unaccepting of like any creative endeavors. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah. And so one of them like tries to uh, I, I guess I can just talk about it through the lens that it most makes sense to me, because if I talk about it in terms of trying to describe what happens in the show, it's going to fall apart. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is like, like pretty biased podcast of like we're expressing our views specifically. So like yeah, have right absolutely. at it. Um, it's like one of the characters like um, is like trying to uh be kind of like independently creative um and then this other character um from before in the puppet world I guess <laughs> um tries to like give him the opportunity to like influence what is going on in the puppet world I think like again it's very vague <laughs> um mm -hmm. so he like he like does that and he like even tries to be, he tries to like be creative by influencing what is going on there. But like the last remaining um, of the like main puppets who is still in there just kind of like is like traumatized by like what they're trying to do because they're doing it through this machine. Um, and I kind of think of it as like, he's like invited to like, um, influence the show I guess like the puppet world slash show um, from like an executive kind of seat um, but he finds that like he's unable to like um, make proper like meaningful um, creative input because it's like it's like from a position of power you know mm -hmm. rather than like from a position of like an artist and from like actually being a meaningful part of the creative process. Um, that's like, that's like, man, I feel like I just like floundered and threw some words at you because <laughs> that's how I, I don't know. Describe this show. I mean, I kind of like just the way you were describing it really makes me think about like related things, like whenever like a business starts to get really big and the higher up the positions get and the more space between the positions and the workers the less and less connection they have with like their base force of workers like right uh i'm gonna diss walmart here a little bit um oh, but dude. like 
a lot of Walmart workers, at least like the ones that I've interacted with, because like it's a place that hires and they'll take pretty much anyone. And so a couple of friends I know have worked for them and they always end up quitting because of how poorly everything is carried down from the top. Like uh, the second that you can mm-hmm. put in your like two weeks, they can just fire you on the spot. Like that's just how it is. Right. Like a horrible way to have a thing as that's just how it is. But like a lot of stuff, the more separation between what is supposed to be controlling the thing and then what is actually like mostly doing the thing, the like more discontent there is really. Right. And like the less like, like, I think the idea of like, if you have that kind of power over someone as like a boss or a CEO or an executive, then like that sort of like puts a divide between you through which you can't really understand them because of the power you hold, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like once you start taking like more of a position of power, you start to have little like barriers because you have to either act out another person's power that has been passed down to you or you have to do your own like um working at a place maybe your friend becomes a manager suddenly they're not as like oh hey yeah take the night off suddenly they have it's part of their job to kind of like not be your friend right and it's like which is rough shit (laughs) (laughs) it's not good oh yeah definitely yeah capitalism sucks like so much of the time i sit there and i'm like oh i could do this thing and then my next immediate thought is this is how i could monetize it and i started to get myself out of that process because like absolutely i just like to do stuff and enjoy it like i have the sponsorship set up for this podcast but i kind of just haven't put it out there Yeah, that's the thing is, like, I've been thinking about that a lot recently because I just, you know, I just started running my game of Monster of the Week. And, like, that's an artistic endeavor that, like, if you don't record that, then once the session is over, all that's really left are, like, the experiences you had and the memories you just made with people you care about. And, like, Mm. I want to learn to value those things and, like, have those be the only things that I take away from this, you know? Like, um, like number one, I don't really want to ask the players to, like, be actors, you know? And I don't want to be an actor either. Like, I really don't want to monetize this because, like, just as a game developer, I've done, like, so much work that I've, that I've always been thinking of, like, how's this going to make money? Like, who's going to buy this? Like, um, and just viewing your work and your artistic endeavors as a, as a commodity is, like, so fucking draining. So <laughs> I'm I glad mean, to have an outlet look right at, now. Yeah? If you just look at your phrasing right there that also plays into how you're thinking of it because you didn't say oh artistic endeavor or like a creative project you said work yeah you did I did say that (laughs) yeah and once you start looking at his work then you sort of start to like wear down a little bit like I don't know if you have the same feeling of like when you work at a job and you can just feel it like like you're a 
bit like a block of stone and then you just every time you go in you work it feels like you're being worn down a little bit more and a little bit more and it's not building back up like a hundred percent yeah I like how we started talking about horror. We ended up with capitalism, but it's always capitalism, <laughs> well, that's isn't real it? Real life horror, isn't it? <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah, fucking <laughs> way too accurate. Right there. Speaking of um, real life horror, uh, I want to say like, um, I want, I, I feel like I want to know like about more about your horror interests. Um, and I think actually the reason I was a little hesitant about this episode is because I usually can't handle horror. Like it makes me like super paranoid and stuff. And like, I just, like, I still haven't played Little Nightmares 2, even though I loved the first one and it was a big hyperfixation for me because it, I just, I can't, I can't go back into that right now because it'll make me paranoid and I'll like, I'll stay up late, like, just sweating and just it'll be bad (laughs) yeah Um, i have a lot to say (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was gonna say like you you say that you really like true crime shows and like one time i was watching one of those with my stepmom and like the following night i oh this is a bit this is a bit like grim but I had a dream about my mom being murdered and I was like okay I'm not watching those anymore (laughs) yeah I am still kind of in the same boat um I've definitely increased my tolerance and ability to handle spooky stuff but like I did not watch anything spooky nor play any games nor really take anything in that was spooky up until like I was in college pretty much I I say like I'm still not currently in college but like the first year when I was like 18 going on 19 right because yeah I, I was in the same boat I wouldn't have nightmares but um I had like a very strong imagination up until around high school which is big oof I don't know why it dropped off, but I'm guessing it was all the academia. But, well, I still have a strong imagination. It's just not as strong because I would basically right. be able to picture a thing in the room with me. Like, it wasn't a hallucination. Oh, yeah? I could see the room as itself, but it, my brain was also overlaying, like, this imaginative, like, Gosh, thing. Like, I have of, yeah, I've, I missed that. But um, I also kind of don't because I have a distinct memory from when I was like probably four or five of hiding under my sheets because I was entirely convinced that there was this like doctor with a scalpel over my bed ready to like dissect me or there was like some sort of giant snake. And every time I took in any sort of horror up until like after high school, I was a I was also in the boat of being paranoid like there was this show where the premise was that it was set in like the UK or something but there were holes in time where dinosaurs could cross through to the modern day and there was like these people that had to find the dinosaur and either like kill it or drive it back through the hole to get it to close and um, there was, uh, I believe it was a Dinosuchus, uh, just 
I believe that was what it was, which is technically a dinosaur, but I believe it was either um, like in the one of the pre-dinosaur eras or the post-dinosaur eras where one of the it was like one of those survivor groups, but it was a hunter and it hunted like the little triceratops looking dudes. I've also watched a lot of dinosaur stuff. I was a dinosaur kid, but like not too intensely. But uh, this thing came through the one of the portals and there was this little kid out in the woods and he accidentally cut his hand on like a tree and then like went home to go get his hand patched up and the Dinosuchus smelled the blood and followed the trail back to the kid's home and then jumped up through this like the head went through the second story window of the kid's house because it was trying Uh to get at him and it like trashed his room and it was so fucking spooky and it was especially spooky because i live on a one-story house on the first floor and i was and i always loved going out in the woods and i would like get beat up on trees and stuff like i'm surprised i didn't get to the woods uh i live in i don't know if you remember what my neighborhood looks like but there's like a bunch of woods nearby yeah I've lived here oh since okay so you've always just eight. been near those woods yeah and i still live there so i was like terrified that i something like that would come through and so i have a distinct memory Yeesh. of like getting up to go leave the room because i was terrified and looking back towards the window and my brain overlaid the like shadow of a dinosuchus skull outside the <sighs> window and i was like oh nope getting out of here that's horrible god (laughs) another time was also uh it wasn't even a horror it was indiana jones and the crystal skull but this is why i'm afraid of aliens honestly because of that movie because Uh um at the end if you haven't watched it a little bit of a spoiler i guess but um the alien they're actual like cgi aliens and those creeped me the hell out and so i also had the same thing where i was like i'm gonna get out of the room because I was like afraid and in the dark because I didn't have a nightlight, which was kind uh-huh. of stupid of me. And uh, as I reached towards the door, I had the distinct and a hundred percent like definitive, like this is happening of one of those things reaching towards my shoulder. And so oh, I spun God. around and the room was like empty, and I was like, no. God, that's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, uh, same thing happened with the Prisoner of Azkaban, the CGI werewolf. Ah, hated that. I thought it was outside my window for like four nights. That's straight up terrifying, God. Yeah, so I definitely had a bit of discouragement from getting into horror. Yeah, understandable. I thought I was like (laughs) the only one here in this discussion with like low tolerance. Oh, no, I had like super low tolerance for it i feel like always Uh, low tolerance honestly (laughs) yeah that's fair i still can't watch horror movies because ones that are specifically meant to be like i I think i described it to you as spook spook gore gore or something like that Uh uh-huh yeah i can't handle like jump scares and stuff yeah same that's like too much yeah uh but uh, the way that I started to lower my tolerance is that uh, I love those videos where it's like a compilation of like 
like kind of grainy footage or things where like they don't exactly capture the whole thing but it's supposedly like real footage of like cryptids or weird things in hospitals or orbs of ghosts and stuff and uh-huh. like I just I found this channel called Sir Spooks and for like three weeks I watched every episode every single video on his entire channel up until like the present and um then I started getting really paranoid at night and so my partner was like hey bud you should probably stop watching (laughs) understandable but by doing that I definitely lowered my tolerance a lot um and Uh my first dive into the type of horror that I love was um actually on a road trip I think it was 2019 2018 uh I was on a trip going to my aunt's and so we were like we make a lot of stops on the trip because road trip and we stopped at a Barnes and Noble and I was like looking around and I'd been like kind of like hey, I should read some, like, H.P. Lovecraft because very famous horror writer. I figured that reading it would be a little bit easier than watching. Right. And so I was looking around and I found a... It was like the texture of the book was supposed was, like, kind of leathery, but it was like if leather had been printed on paper but with texture. And it looked beaten scuffed all to hell and it looked like it had been probably read through all the way like five times or so um and it was placed out of its section uh i was like oh shit because like i was like this is a definite thing this is like a calling i should get pick this up so i picked it up and i brought it over to the uh desk area and they were like what the hell because they had a only uk bookmark and so they like uh-huh. went through the whole process and they're like, well, this isn't technically supposed to be here, but it is a Barnes and Noble book. And so they like looked up the price on the Barnes and Noble website and sold it to me for that. Huh. So it was definitely like a very weird thing, sort of like one of those moments in a young adult novel where it's like this thing has been placed here for you. Right. Uh, where was- it's like. Uh, it's like it's almost like it slipped through rift in space <laughs> and it's just like it's or here somebody now. it's for you or somebody placed it there or something like that oh that's it was like <laughs> yeah but I was like it was one of those moments where I was like aha I know what's going on I'm getting this and uh, it sits on my bookshelf right now I made eye contact oh, no with, uh, with it when I started describing the cover <laughs> eye contact with a book (laughs) yeah it's possible Uh, but I read like 50% of it and I really liked the style of description definitely H.P. Lovecraft was like pretty racist and a lot of like that named his dog like the shittiest thing you can name a dog right (laughs) yeah I think I think he also named or like just in the characters he just would drop the n-word when describing like a Uh, cat which is very jarring but also very like unpleasant and we do not support anything racist here obviously yeah that's some real bullshit (laughs) oh yeah definitely 
but the style of description is what I was really taking from it, which is that the horror is something that is unknown and unknown to the point where the author doesn't really know what it is either, which is a, it's honestly a great way to write horror. And whenever I do it, I don't know what specifically is hunting the person. It's sort of like, oh, this is a slight description for it as I'm writing it. Um, I don't know if you've read my like horror writing, but I can definitely send you some after this. I think you might be interested. Yeah, if I can handle it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I can just send you the one that's like unsettling because uh, there was a creative writing class that I took um, to fill a credit. And then I later found out I didn't need to fill that credit because it was already filled by another course, but I'd already taken it. (laughs) Which is the story of my college career, which is, oh, I didn't need to take that class. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. But uh, there was a piece where you write a story based off of basically like you would take a magazine you cut out a couple of the pictures and you like put together a little scene then you write a story about it and so I wrote like a sort of horror story and then there was another prompt based off of that where basically you take the perspective or point of view of another person that was in the first story and you write from there oh yeah that's really cool and the Hell yeah. But the thing I unintentionally did is that when I wrote from the second perspective, I did it from like an unexpected one and I never described what it was. And so the unknownness of it makes it like super creepy. Ah, that's cool as hell. So it was like a person, another perspective on these events, but like unclear whose perspective. Yeah. And um, I've swapped between the like uh i and we oh that's cool yeah i'm definitely tuning my own horn but that's probably one of my favorite pieces of writing i've done no that is really inventive i love that (laughs) but uh after i started to get into the like hp lovecraft one day i was sitting on the college campus and i was supposed to be doing homework or something but i like I basically like I hardcore hyper fixated on writing something that was um, like HP Lovecraft style. And so I wrote that like I'd sat there like I was possessed for like a good 15 minutes, 15 to 20. I don't know. I don't have a good perception of time, but I sat and just wrote continuously like no pauses no stopping no like oh where should this go just straight writing for 15 minutes that's good like stream of consciousness kind of thing yeah which is a whole thing I love to talk about about like writing because I've had to write a lot about like how writing is and like meta analyze it and I really Uh believe that in the idea that writing is another form of thinking and so that's why I write the way I do, which is I get a whole like stream out and then I will go back and rewrite it. So I'm thinking it over again, but I'm not contained within the first like setting of it. Oh, I like I like that concept of like getting like getting things out just like on an instinctual, like emotional level and just like creating with no filter and then bringing the yeah. filter in later. 
yeah that's my favorite shit right there and so i after i wrote that i figured out that just based off of like the what people told me when they read my writing that i was pretty good at writing horror related stuff specifically the unknown and so that's like kind of what i've been writing a lot recently Uh i say recently but the last time i wrote was like six months ago (laughs) we definitely share that perspective that like some of the best horror is all based on the unknown well that's the most horrifying thing that's the main like i believe the main thing why so many people are afraid of the dark isn't the actual like i can't see anything it's the i don't know what's out there right so truly the unknown is the greatest horror that's why that's why i don't want to try vr because that's like the ultimate like can't see and can't hear (laughs) the outside yeah i mean honestly i've done vr it's very entertaining but Uh i would not want to do a vr horror game because i can't handle jump scares and i'm sure they're rife with those right but uh catching up to my current horror stuff i've uh i I guess it's not really horror but it's like i like unsettling things like i like listening to true crime and unsolved things and paranormal stuff but the thing that i've been super hyper fixating on for the past like i think i started it two days ago oh yeah is, you uh, said called... the uh, magnus archives right yeah the magnus archives uh my yeah, buddy sasha got me into magnus burnsides right that's what that is no <laughs> uh just a preface shout out to sasha again he got me into the adventure zone and he got me into the magnus archives oh shit Uh, he wasn't even trying i was just like hey what you listening to and he was like the magnus archives and i was like oh what's that he was like well it's this thing and then i listened to it and i was like oh neat i'm going to hyperfixate on this (laughs) so what's like do you have a favorite episode like it's like different story every episode right well, that is the interesting thing about it because the I'm on episode 35 right now. Uh-huh. Um, and the way that it goes is that when you're first listening to it, it's got the sort of vibe of a themed creepypasta. Uh-huh. Like um, sort of like those weird little like stories where you're like, uh, it seems like an individual isolated tale. Um, and it's like told by in a setting where like there's this guy at what is called the Magnus Institute and they have they do like paranormal investigation to anyone who gives a statement um, and they they do this investigation based off the information given in the statement Um, and there's two different areas where things go there is a like place where things have been fully investigated there was enough info to do an investigation or there was like just like enough to concrete things to actually do a full case on it and then either resolve it or have like a full presentation on it and that is the library uh the archives which is where these take place are areas where there's not enough evidence to fully investigate it um, or find a concrete thing of paranormal activity 
or um, there was like a very significant amount of stuff, but the person died halfway through the interview or went missing. Oh. And so as you're listening, you're hearing these little tales where it's like, it's, it's definitely set in with a thing and there's an actual like time is progressing with each story. Like it's, there's like little things that you start to notice where there's consistencies and you start to connect the stories Shoot. together. Yeah, it starts out super slowly, but around like episode 20 is when it you're like, oh, 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 oh shit. Like that is Gosh, that. That's and really that, cool. That, yeah. And it's like not like outright horror. And then it's like very they give you the feeling of being unsettled but it's also like very much like i'm so riveted by the story like i'm kind of hyped about the little road trip i'm going on because i get like two hours to listen to these and i'm gonna be enjoying yeah how long are each of them um they're about uh they range between like uh 20 to 40 minutes with an average of around 30 uh-huh and uh they go in seasons and apparently there's a Q&A at the end of the season the first season's like 40 episodes i think they currently have like somewhere around like 180 episodes gosh that does seem really cool yeah i mean if you get into it i would highly recommend it i don't i don't know if i can handle it but like i might check it out i'd recommend at least like trying out the first episode and then if you just get to any point where you're like i can't handle this then like right drop it that's that's like the other problem is i often find horror really compelling so it's like hard to drop it even though i should yeah i i feel that like, I didn't intend to binge listen to this so hard, but I've already right. started recommending it to people. <laughs> right. Yeah, I uh, met a coworker for the first time because I work, like, like, the place I work is a little bit disconnected. Like, there's not a, every single time you come in, there's the same people. It's, like, people, like, rotate. And uh, uh-huh. things are moving around. And so I met a coworker who I don't know was like a new hire or if they were just like doing a different shift. And uh, yeah. I was talking to them about the podcast and they're like, oh, that sounds interesting. I kind of like that stuff. And so <laughs> they were listening to the first episode when I left. Have you seen them since? No, that maybe was like ready. last night. Oh, I see. Well, maybe they got like spirited away or something i don't know hopefully they can handle like (laughs) the unsettlingness of it but they seemed really into it gosh that's great yeah but the also the interesting thing about it is that i have described a couple times as soothing horror because yeah i think you might have mentioned that yeah the reason why i describe it as soothing horror is because the narrator is like has a very like they have a pretty good range of their voice honestly and they have a pretty good control of it it's not like monotone but they speak in a definitely a softer tone like my earbuds make sound pretty loud and i have to turn it up a little bit 
So they speak in a softer tone and there is the constant background noise of a old tape recorder sound. And so you, if you listen closely, you can hear like the little like whir of the wheels turning, which isn't uh-huh. too distracting because they managed to level it really well, but they have like the constant sound and the soothing voice. And so you're listening to these like horrifying, like, or very unsettling things. But it's also like out, kind of soothing, honestly. Gosh, that's such a juxtaposition. Oh yeah, it is very interesting because you'll like listen in, you'll listen to a part and they like have like they're not so consistent where it's like it has to be this. Like if there's an unsettling bit, they add in like a little like very well edited and rise in some like creepy like the like violins like skidoo like that sort uh-huh. of like horror stuff right where it's like definitely unsettling music and that like it's just a very riveting podcast and a, it's definitely like a story right that's really cool oh yeah I'm excited to get farther in because uh Sasha's like I think I'm like ha- halfway caught up to him at this point because I uh-huh. can just devour. You listen really fast. Like when you were re-listening to Adventure Zone for the episode we did on that, I was like, holy shit, how are you going that fast? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you got through one arc when I got through up to the last episode of um, the 11th hour which is like the fourth arc fourth or fifth fifth Fifth. yeah i got through about five arcs and what it took you to get through um half of the stolen century and the finale god that's incredible see i only listen to one episode a day yeah i mean i have the ability to fully read or like at least like register about 70% of what I'm listening to while also fully doing another activity like driving um right. at my job there is a bit where we're just like cleaning stuff and you don't need to really pay attention besides like focusing on what you're in front of you don't need to like really hear anything so everyone else is also doing the same exact cleaning but in different spots and so I listen to it then, but I can also listen while I'm playing a video game. Yeah, same. I feel like that's, I don't know if that's like an ADHD thing or just an anyone thing, but I feel like I have like two channels in my brain through which I can do things and thoughts can go down those channels. Um, and if mm-hmm. not both of them are filled at the same time, then my brain will try to fill in the other one. Um, so yeah, I yeah you described it a while ago on your twitter as like uh oh i actually screenshotted it because i liked it so much oh yeah um yeah uh your quote uh, i think i came up with a way to explain why i find it hard to focus on one thing but can focus on two things at once a lot better it's like my adhd is, is always trying to reach a certain level of occupation or stimulus and has two slots to put those thoughts in one thought is linguistic and the other is visual, visual. So I can listen to YouTube videos or podcasts and play video games at the same time, but I can't listen and read at the same time. And if only one slide is filled, but the other isn't, my brain tries to fill itself 
or fill out, fill it out itself, usually leading to distraction. I think this is also why I find it hard to fall asleep at a controlled time. I'm trying to sleep. Neither slot is filled. So my brain is trying to come up with things to think about to fill them in. I can't just not think about anything. Did you just have that on hand? <laughs> uh, I have uh, on my phone. I favorite the things that I really like so I can quickly find them. And I liked that. Like I resonated with that strong enough that I screenshotted it and put it in my favorite photos. Gosh, that's like super flattering. <laughs> Yeah, I do that with like different things, like also just like things that I find funny or like photos that I like or different things. Like when we were playing the DT Revive, I have a photo of um, you rolled an initiative, uh, my partner rolled an initiative, and then my other partner accidentally rolled an intelligence because they're a bit dyslexic. And I thought that was such a funny sequence. <laughs> Ripping teeth. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I definitely feel that. I actually listen to podcasts when I'm falling asleep and I just put the sleep timer on. Uh-huh. But I also, um, if I need to, I can take in like a shit ton of audio. Like that's probably the thing I process the best at this point, thanks to podcasts. But I had the, Am- the Amazon Audible free trial because every time they come out with a new level, they send me an email because I love Audible, but I'm typically broke. Uh, and so I had uh-huh. a one month free trial of the thing where there was a it was like Amazon Audible Plus, which um, meant that you get the regular stuff where you get like one credit to get a book. And then you also can just like get a discount. But the with the plus, they also have a thing where there's like a quote unquote catalog of free audiobooks where it's typically like very average stuff but I found that there was a three book series that I'd been interested in and so I managed to listen to I think it was like close to 50 hours of audio in about like I think it was like four days because I realized that my trial was ending and I'd only listened to one book yeah yeah that was like or an insane amount. Gosh. I don't think yeah, I, I I wonder if I would like audiobooks. Oh, by I the way. Know. Um, it's what? been an hour. So Yeah, uh I want to wrap we... that up soon then probably. Okay, sure. Sure. Uh but uh actually if you ever want to try a book, the Audible is a thing where if you get sent a book the first book you're sent is free um so i can send you a photo of my library if you find anything in there interesting i can send you it all right thanks yeah it's very interesting to hear like audiobooks because it's different from podcasts also um i feel like we could call this episode horror and capitalism What's the difference? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like, no, I, I the title could be like, it's always capitalism, isn't it? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> just like the, the description is just like, I mean, we do mention it, but really it's about horror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
so do you have any other horror stuff that you want to tack on? Because you also mentioned the little nightmares and uh, we kind of discussed salad fingers. Yeah. I don't know how much I have to say about those because like it's been a while since I engaged with either of those. Um, I will say I really want to play Little Nightmares too. I just don't have the courage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the first one I is... could. Yeah. Uh, I've been meaning to play the first one again because uh, I have this thing oh, that I am aware of, which means I can kind of manage it, but I also kind of can't where if somebody specifically gets me into something like I'm getting into something specifically for someone I have a hard time continuing to do that but if uh-huh. I get into something because somebody mentioned it and then I specifically like investigate it and I kind of take ownership of my interest in it then I'm able to pursue it interesting that makes a lot of sense I feel like, yeah, it's like if somebody oh how so well like I feel like um oh I try to get into things all the time because other people like them and I want to be able to share it with them um and I feel like there can be a difference between like um getting into it and then it starts to take on its own um fixation fixation for me whereas other times it can feel like um I'm only doing it because I want to share it with that person. And at that point, I think it doesn't really end up working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that anything that anyone has ever been like, hey, you should watch this, or hey, you should watch this, or hey, you should watch this, like insistently, I've never been able to get into, which is why whenever I recommend something, I basically give them like the back book cover description of it. And then a, I would recommend that, but I never am like, consistently insisting that they seek it out because I feel like if I do that then they're not going to actually be interested in it just based on that like does make sense I do feel like for me though like I appreciate when somebody is like can like um really like clear about like yeah this is something I really love and they talk about it all the time because like actually it's usually not like somebody like recommends something to me so much that it is as it is just they express that they really love it and I'm like oh I want to check that out too you know yeah I will typically do one recommendation and then if they end up talking with me about it again I'll definitely describe like what I like about it Like, uh, I don't know exactly how I got to this point, but uh, one of my friends, um, he had just been getting into anime. And so I would give him recommendations of like different animes that I've watched because surprise, surprise, I've watched a lot of anime. What Uh gave it away? (laughs) (laughs) But I would watch, I'd watch so many that I had a good feel for what I liked and what aspects would be interesting and what really compelled me to like certain things. And I, as you can tell from listening to the, this podcast, I am very good at using my words. I would say so, so. Yeah. Yeah. I would give a description like loosely of it and then like a reason why I enjoyed it. And apparently I gave 
good enough recommendations that he takes them very seriously and like writes them down and then he'll like let me know when he has watched a thing and what he thought of it uh-huh. and like honestly that is the most flattering stuff like I love when somebody like completely unnecessarily goes out of their way to like let me know that they have tried something that I also enjoy and oh, what they think about it like I go out of my way to do the same thing and like I like to I'm like in the camp that if you put the energy out there the right people will return that energy right and so right. like I'm I've been doing that with like Sasha like he definitely he, he didn't even recommend it he was like oh the Magnus archives or blah 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 and then I'll like get to a good point when I'm listening to it and I'll like text him about it as I'm listening like yo this part oh my god gosh just that's, like that's exactly how it was with you and Wynn when I was listening to Adventure Zone <laughs> <laughs> like as soon as something hype happens I just have to tell you about it <laughs> oh that's my favorite stuff like uh Honestly, my favorite thing with my ex-best friend is that um, we would watch a series together. Uh-huh. Like our relationship, our friendship was really mainly built around like we typically enjoyed the same shows and we would basically like I would go over to oh, that's so place. valuable. Yeah, I'd go over to their place. We would like maybe fuck around with some youtube for a little bit and then we would like pull up a dedicated series and um we actually watched uh star versus the forces of evil all the way through oh, yeah? live together hey, like I a new episode would cartoons. come out <laughs> oh same i definitely want to talk about cartoons um oh, at least one yeah. episode that would be awesome oh, yeah. hey maybe next week's oh maybe yeah, I mean, uh, both of our vaccine second doses, uh, the two-week mark comes today. Gosh, I'm just not, these, this is just sounds coming out of my mouth, not from my brain. Hold on, let me reorganize. <laughs> the two-week mark past our second doses both come this week. So if we hang out, we could watch something together and then do an episode on it. There we yeah, go. That'd That's be what sweet. I wanted to say. That'd be sweet as oh, hell. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know I want to watch uh Don't Hug we Me, I'm like, Scared, and we could definitely watch that. We could like share our favorite cartoons too. Like, do you have a favorite? Uh gosh. Uh I've watched a lot of cartoons that I enjoy, but I don't know if there's explicitly one that I would call my favorite besides maybe Futurama but that's more of one of those shows where I know it well enough that I can turn it on as background noise right like there's a distinction between shows that I enjoy and shows that I like best way to describe is that I have shows that I like to refer to as like background shows typically they're like kind of my favorite shows like how I met your mother I could quote uh-huh. most episodes line for line. If I was watching it, I could like talk along with them because I have watched it so oh, much that I can background it. And so I can put it on while I'm doing other things. And it's sort of like a calming thing because I watched it when good things were happening. Right. And then they all like uh, I watched it after <laughs> 
after my breakup and it definitely helped because it was like a soothing right but uh there's also shows where i enjoy them intensely but i can't watch them too often like the anime angel beats is a very emotional one because it it's it's very much starts off as a like slapstick off color um sort of comedy of uh-huh. like you don't really know exactly what's going on and then slowly you start to like piece together it and then you start to more and more emotionally connect with things and then by the end you're crying your damn eyes out yeah like that that show makes me cry which is a hard thing to do now that I don't cry easily or try to stop myself I think it's just like I know that typically like masculine born people have deeper tear ducts because of how the body develops what and that may contribute to what what i never yeah. heard of anything like that yeah it's an actual thing huh another fun fact about uh tear anatomy the reason why you snot up is because there's a little channel between your tear duct and your nasal cavity and so you basically cry out of your nose too <laughs> what <laughs> yeah my god <laughs> I'm not lying out of my ass here. Seriously, looked it up. I th- I think it's the lacrimal duct. That's Don't quote incredible. me. I haven't. Hold on, lacrimal <laughs> duct. Uh, yeah, yeah, the lacrimal duct system transmits tears from the surface of the eye to the nasal cavity. I was right. Hell yeah, I remember. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, it's no not like I'm studying this. <laughs> Now that we both have like experience running Monster of the Week, like maybe once we've run a few more sessions, like we could do an episode just talking about running the game. Yeah, because you finished up your first hunt uh, two days ago. Yeah, and we started our second one. Yeah, I, uh, I like to try and like do hunts that can fit in one session. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to stretch my hunts out a little bit to give you, like, the right. players cool, a little cool. bit more space to do stuff. Uh-huh. But also more consequences could occur. Like, the consequences are a little bit more stretched out rather than, like, oh, this is a ticking co- time clock. Everyone's going to die. Right, right. It'll be interesting to see, like, the differences between our approaches because they are like super different both of our monster of the week games yeah because uh I, yours falls into the monsters are a secret kind of trope right um a little bit it's like um oh well, i guess i guess we're really getting into this now um <laughs> um <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like a slightly open secret i think um it's like something that a lot of like a lot of people have like paid a lot to try and like um you know keep as something that most people think are just like something that people like make up and like uh just wild people making up weird shit you know (laughs) um but like oh yeah it's just a bunch of yokels hunting bigfoot in the forest yeah, like the idea that there's a lot of people who put a lot of money into keeping up that kind of idea of the supernatural when it's like, 
actually that shit's real. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of like as things are now in the real world, except just as if it were actually real, (laughs) you know? that's that's how not I think to say that things about. aren't real because there is definitely like i'm not saying i believe in anything but i'm saying that with the amount of things that occur there's got to be at least something true true um i think uh it's also like i think for me though the biggest differences between our games are like mine is like it has one setting more or less it's just this one town um, and it's also like, as I said, like every every mystery is um, supposed to fit into one session. I think of them as like episodes of a TV show, and like um, you know, mysteries can like come back uh, if they weren't completely solved in one episode. But it'll be like probably after you've done some other stuff. So like every mm-hmm. week, you never know like what's gonna happen. Could always be like a completely new kind of adventure new stuff's gonna happen um whereas yours is like um the new stuff seems to always be like where are we going for this hunt but also um from week to week most of the time it's like following the same mystery or the same monster is the impression i get of your game yeah mine's a lot more like everyone knows that there's monsters but they don't know what ones exist because mine is like kind of a post-apocalyptic but like nobody really died too much kind of setting right like some things are normal but everyone is aware that there's weird shit going on and sometimes it like pops up and like 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 less about the destruction of society and more about the fundamental like changing of society yeah it changed but humans are like pretty resilient and like they really humans will either adapt to something completely or they will try to kill it (laughs) right but yeah you guys have an rv and so you have the ability to really travel anywhere and so you have a little bit more of a open map yeah i find that interesting like i wonder like that must be kind of a hard creative endeavor right because like every time we go somewhere new you'll have to like start from scratch and just be like okay new people new places like you know i mean kind of really what happened just as a little peek behind the dm screen which will probably be interesting for you because you run it you run your own games but you're also in this one yeah yeah uh i came up with character names and specific locations um but anything else was off the dome i didn't create the town i didn't name the town uh, i named it as you guys were driving in oh yeah holy shit and i came up with the description as you guys were driving in and also i didn't really i basically i lay out the way my brain works is that if i have a direction i can do fill in the rest which is why my best method is bullet pointing Uh uh-huh like i need a direction or i'm gonna flounder but if i have a direction i can like fill in the rest right right that's like similar for me it's like i think 
I think we both kind of did this where like um, our player characters, like my player characters just gave me, or my players like gave me so much like in their backstories that like my first, like so far, like I've been able to feed um, all of like my inspiration um, and creativity off of like what they've given me and just like, oh, where can I take that? Like, can I bring things back from this? Can I just like draw inspiration from it or just like, uh it's like very much based on them basically yeah i'm the it's an interesting group is what i'm gonna say because i've gotten one backstory that was 1013 words long and gave me a ton of stuff to work with um and then i have a feeling that you haven't quite grasped your character's vibe yeah enough to really do anything that's generally like how I do characters like it's hard for me to like um paint a complete picture before I've even stepped into a character's shoes you know what I mean Mm -hmm. but it's also good to get a feel for the world right right and then the third person um struggles a little bit to like sit down and do stuff productively and so they haven't put together the backstory yet also I'm, I'm similar to that honestly <laughs> yeah but like the stuff that was given to me by the person who did the backstory is going actually informed quite a bit of the world ah that's exciting like, you guys are definitely going to encounter stuff probably in the next hunt and you've already kind okay. of encountered stuff because like your one of your backstory things was you worked for like this character's parents organization for a little bit if i remember no actually do you remember we were talking about that um concept and then we were kind of like i don't know how i feel about that and then we kind of dropped it Mm -hmm. and did something else okay well that's good to know because i did not remember that we dropped it (laughs) oh (laughs) but it is 5 22 um, and I have to pack up all the stuff that I'm using before we hit the road. Okay. So that was this like is slightly a, a double feature. <laughs> slightly. I wasn't expecting that we would talk so much about horror, but I'm not disappointed. Honestly. Same. We had like more to say than I thought. It's like one and a half feature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But um, I had a good time catching up with you. Me too. Yeah, like, I find it amusing that we don't really talk too much outside of the podcast, and so this is, like, the biggest way that we keep in touch and talk about stuff. Yeah, that's the cool thing, is, like, we've known each other since, like, elementary school, I think, but we've always been, like, I don't think we've ever been, like, close friends. We've always been, like, friends. Um, so yeah. I think it's nice to like have a space where we can like actually start to understand each other better. Like, as I was saying, like, I want to put like more into this friendship and just like hang out more like you and Bailey, like, yeah, you know? Yeah, same. I definitely like, I think I was also in the sense that you keep discussing where it's like when you've known somebody for so long, you're worried about what they see of you. But yeah. honestly, if I'm being totally honest, the once you started transitioning, I my brain just mentally tossed out anything I knew about you 
That's absolutely great, actually. <laughs> I I run into this problem consistently where I want like I have become friends with a lot more trans people because I mean like I it's not like a consistent thing, but honestly, I just vibe with people who are trans a lot more. Um and a lot of trans people have like a better understanding of the like interacting with people or a lot more like social intelligence um and they also like way more understanding and also aware of like different issues like like a good example is your twitter you're always tweeting about like different issues relating to all like a variety of topics that's very true Uh, but my problem is that i sometimes forget like which way somebody transitions because i immediately accept like oh yeah they're this right like my brain just like overwrites the info that was there yeah and so sometimes i'll be like oh they're like transitioning this way and then my brain is like hold up that's (laughs) wrong no oh that's great (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm very happy I've never purposely misgendered anyone and I've I think I've avoided accidentally doing it but sometimes my brain will be like oh overcorrection and I'm like no 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 gosh I feel like that's um well I feel like in some ways that's like the best way to like think of it because like you know, when somebody like transitions, it's often like representative of like kind of who they've always been, but like maybe they just didn't know or like everybody else didn't know. So it's like, it is kind of like less like taking on new information or taking on a new identity than it is just like um, shedding like an identity that was forced upon you and like coming into yourself. so like I think if you like I think the way of thinking of it as like the new information kind of overwrites the old information because it's like oh I was actually wrong I didn't like know that person the way I thought I did then like I think that makes sense Um, yeah I think of it as it's a retroactive thing like it goes from the present and then extends back instead of oh there's a distinct break in like say uh female to male there's no point where it was like oh when you were female it's like oh when you were this age that's not the way you reference it right okay I think um I think in general people's brains tend to like um update or throw out information a lot better if they see it as like a correction of something they thought that wasn't correct rather than Mm -hmm. seeing it as like a change or as like um, just new information yeah I definitely want to like talk about that more but like there, I'm like I, I really yeah. need to go <laughs> I'm sorry even though like you getting us into a different conversation <laughs> I had fun bye I had fun too